0: to the best of my ability and judgment, this covenant. I will respect the hard-won scientific gains of those physicians in whose steps I walk and gladly share such knowledge as is mine with those who are to follow. I will apply for the benefit of the sick all measures that are required, avoiding those twin traps of overtreatment and therapeutic nihilism. I will remember that there is art to medicine as well as science, and that warmth, sympathy, and understanding may outweigh the surgeon's knife or the chemist's drug. I will not be ashamed to say I know not, nor will I fail to call in my colleagues when the skills of another are needed for a patient's recovery. I will respect the privacy of my patients for their problems are not disclosed to me that the world may know. Most especially must I tread with care in matters of life and death. If it is given me to save a life, all thanks. But it may also be within my power to take a life. This awesome responsibility must be faced with great humbleness and awareness of my own frailty. Above all, I must not play at God. I will remember that I do not treat a fever chart or a cancerous growth, but a sick human being, whose illness may affect the person's family and economic stability. My responsibility includes these related problems if I am to care adequately for the sick. I will prevent disease whenever I can, for prevention is preferable to cure. I will remember that I remain a member of society with special obligations to all my fellow human beings, those sound of mind and body, as well as the infirm. If I do not violate this oath, may I enjoy life and art respected while I live and remembered with affection thereafter. May I always act so as to preserve the finest traditions of my calling, and may I long experience the joy of healing those who seek my help. That's the modern version of the Hippocratic Oath that I read every 50 episodes here on the pre Years podcast. The pre Year session number 450. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I can't believe we're at 450 episodes. And this week I have a great guest. I have James, who messaged me on Instagram. And after multiple MCATs and multiple application cycles to medical school, he is finally going to medical school with multiple acceptances this last cycle. You're going to learn a ton about James and why he has persevered so long and so hard to get to this point in his life. These are the episodes that you all love, so I hope you enjoy this conversation with James. Before we jump in, I wanna talk about the MCAT Minute, because as James mentions, you gotta take the MCAT, he took the MCAT many, many times. You can only take it seven times. But one of the questions is, what score do I need? What score did James need? And that answer is different for everyone, unfortunately. I was talking to a student the other day who had a 513 and was wanting to retake her MCAT. And all of us we we were doing an ask the dean live which was which is a, a perk for our mapped members. We're doing we're doing ask the dean and the student's like I got a 513 I want to retake it. And all four of us all the advisors on on mapped were like no, don't retake a 513. There's diminishing Return on investment with that five fifteen or five thirteen rather. So, can you get in with a five hundred five? You can. Can you get in with a five hundred? You can. I've seen students get in with four ninety sixes. If you go and look at the AMC chart, students get in with lower scores. Now, it's not, it's not probable, but it happens. And the have to, you have to remember the MCAT is just one part of your application. You need to make sure that you have as high of a score as possible for you. You will never feel ready to take the MCAT, but at some point you have to pull the trigger and trust that the prep that you are doing, hopefully with Blueprint MCAT, is getting you where you need to go. So that's the MCAT Minute brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Go check them out at blueprintmcat.com. Let's go ahead and say hello to James. James, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Hey,
1: hey, how are you doing?
0: I am good. I'm excited to have you because we're getting, I've been getting a lot of feedback. Students are antsy. They want to hear some more success stories of people who have gotten into medical school. Now you, your story is going to be a little bit boring because it was straightforward, right? I want to be a doctor. I'm going to go through, me, go through undergrad, get into medical school, piece of cake, right? That's, that's easy. End of story.
1: I'm sure from my my
0: pocket <laughs> and my time that would have that would have been great, but that was not the case at all. <laughs> not the case at all let let's start with when did you realize you wanted to be a doctor?
1: And that's kind of hard so it was it was somewhere between um I took a tip trip to Nigeria around kindergarten. um so I think looking back in retrospect, that was the first time that I really realized um, that I wanted to become a physician and how that happened was rather interesting. Um, so I went back home in the area i'm I'm Nigerian. Um, and so I went back to my parents' home country of Nigeria, um, and I was in the village. And so the village is something similar to, like, the um, underserved or the inner city areas here um, within the states. Um, and so I noticed, like, when I was in the village, it was large gaps between, um, like, clinics and where if individuals will have to go get care. They'll have to, like, drive into the city an hour and two hours away. Um, when I was younger, I didn't really notice anything. Um, but when I got back to the states, and like I said, so looking at those inner city areas or the hood, if you will, um, you would see that. Here as well in the U.S. I was like, wow, like that's that's not right. Like something like stirred in me. I was like, hey man, I if I can be a change agent to that, that'll be cool. Mm. Um, so that's when I I believe it first started. And then like kind of fast forwarding to middle school, um, I was really good at sciences. Um, and I remember particularly one time I did really well um, on an exam, and my teacher was like, okay, like go do a reteaching class. Like, for <laughs> me, it, it it just happened naturally. Everything made sense. I enjoyed it. I'm like, hmm, I really love science, and I have like a heart for um, wanting to help with healthcare disparities. Maybe, you know, being a physician is right up my alley. Nice. Now,
0: as a black man, I hear from a lot of underrepresented students who come to medicine at a much later time in their life because they grew up not seeing people who look like them, who talk like them, who came from the same inner cities as them, being in those positions being a physician being whatever it is that 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 person is chasing after obviously in in our case we're we're talking about medicine and going to medical school did you ever have thoughts of like well my doctor's not black or i don't see many black doctors and so i don't know if that's really a thing for me because that's that's a that's a fear or um this
1: self-doubt that a lot of people have did you deal with that at all you hit the nail on the head. So for, for a long time, I knew I wanted to be a physician. I talked about kindergarten, middle school, um, but I had no uh, direct model. Um, nobody in my family is a physician. Um, none of my uncles, none of my aunts. Um, I don't believe I saw my first um, African-American physician until I got into college. Yeah. And so by that time, it's not too late, but um, it, it definitely would have been hooved me if I had like a mentor or somebody to guide me along um, you know, my pre-med journey. And so I didn't have anybody within my immediate family or my immediate community that I can look at like okay I see this person doing a position let me go talk to them like what path should I take so that definitely had a large impact on my projectile and even getting into medicine at this stage um, within my life yeah as you were going through
0: this process you you get into undergrad and and you're on on your journey how did you figure out the things that you needed to do to to get into medical school without that
1: mentorship there um, honestly, it was trial and error. <laughs> it was really trial and error. Even um, looking at my my major, um, I, I know talking to my dad, my dad was essentially my, my college advisor. Um, like I had one in high school, but that wasn't the best. Even my institutional advisor at the time for pre-med wasn't the best. Um, and so my dad was, uh, like when I, I majored in biology originally at my first institution, I um, mean, I just did that just because it was science. I like biology. But um, in retrospect, I probably would have done something else because I still would have had to take the pre-medical um, prerequisites. And I could have majored in something that, you know, I, I liked a lot more, loved a lot more, if you will, from yeah. a major perspective. What did you major in? Uh, I majored in biology originally. Okay. Um, so I, I originally went to a university of Houston for undergrad, my okay. first institution. And I majored in biology and minor in health education. But okay. when I transferred to Texas Southern University, historically black college and university, literally down the street, um, I was in a scholarship program called HLSEM, Lewis Stokes Alliance for Minority Participation. The same exact scholarship at Texas Southern, but uh, they didn't allow biology majors because they wanted like PhDs or hardcore science. So I had to switch to a major that I actually was not strong at, which was chemistry. Interesting. And So I, I switched to chemistry just to um, keep my scholarship. And then I minored in biology and health education. I double minored.
0: OK, so let's let's talk about the the path for you, because it, 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 when I was reading your, your story a little bit, I kind of felt like LeBron James, not one, not two, not <laughs> right. three. right Talking about how many championships he's going to win with the Heat and, and his buddies down there. Uh-huh. How many times did you apply to medical school?
1: You know, it's funny. I almost lost count. <laughs> That's how. like I'm, I'm not even kidding. I believe it was four times, if I'm not mistaken. I applied to medical school four times. Yeah. Um. And the very first time, um, speaking back to earlier, so I went to University of Houston for three years. I split my time between University of Houston and Texas Southern. So my undergraduate alma mater at Texas Southern, I spent three years there. So a total of six years for undergrad um, at two institutions, um, switching majors. Um, and the very first time I took the MCAT was in 2015, the new MCAT. Um. And so I took that in 2015. Um, and then um, every time, oh, you asked me about how many times. So I applied t- four times, I'm sorry. Um, and that, that, the very first time was in 2015. Um, and I applied almost like every year after that, taking like some gaps in between up until um, this current cycle.
0: Why didn't you give up?
1: That is a great question. Why did I not give up? Um, I believe I didn't give up because I knew my why. Um, it's, it's, it's really funny on this other side, talking to my friends who are lawyers, talking to my friends who are attendings now, and they honestly was like, man, I would have gave up. Like, I don't see how you continue along this path because um, I started undergrad in 2019 or 2009. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like looking at a traditional projectile um, from 2009 to 2013, you know, I should have graduated, should have matriculated into medical school. And we're looking at two, 2021 now. <laughs> um, so all that time up until now. My, my dream has been linear, didn't deviate. Um, and I believe why well, I didn't give up because I knew why well, I wanted to come into medicine. Um, and why I wanted to come into medicine, really, it sounds very cliche, you know, or, you know, run of the mill, but I really have a heart of service. Um, speaking back to like knowing what my community looks like and the disparities within my community and knowing the impact as a black man, what I can make within our community. Um, looking at the MC they put out a report, I believe um, was a couple of years ago, looking at from 1974 up into 2014 and showing the dirt or disparities of African-American men in medicine. Yeah. Um, and knowing that, hey, I am that person. I can be the change I want to see. Um, that's what kept me going. Like my background that I haven't really talked about outside of medicine as a teacher. Um, I've just completed my third year of teaching. And so each and every day I'm seeing um, models or I'm seeing different um, individuals that wanna do either what I wanna do or even if it's outside of medicine, but I, I'm a direct impact and change within doing that. And that's, uh, I mirror that to medicine as well. Each and every time that I'll be going into my patient's room, they're seeing a direct model that is um, changing the narrative. Um, Cause if you look at the media, you look at an African-American man, what are they? An athlete, you know, a rapper, or they're in jail. Yeah. <laughs> those, those are the things that are highlighted within media. Um And I wanted to change that narrative. And I knew day by day whether each MCAT retake, each exam I went into, each institution I went to, each degree I got. It's like my linear goal is to impact and change medicine um, for my people and for everyone at large, Um, but particularly um people that look like me.
0: I, I get harassed online by, by people who tell me that I shouldn't be telling people that if they want this, they can do it, that any anyone sure. can get into medical school, that people shouldn't have plan Bs. Yeah. And, and you are the epitome of why I say what I say because you are out there now starting your dream of, of going to medical school even when probably many people in your life told you what you're doing is crazy. Why, why are you continuing to try to do this? Uh, obviously, you haven't gotten in the first time, the second time, the third time. What What's the point? Outside of the reason, the why, which is super important. What gave you the confidence that you could? Mm,
1: that's that's good. What gave me the confidence that I could? I believe getting little um, as I'm I'm a man of faith. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And so I believe God gave me like little crumbs along the way that told me like, okay, my, my, my family nickname is JJ. Like, okay, JJ, don't give up. Um, the first being, so I completed after I finished my. Uh, undergraduate degree at Texas Southern in 2015 um, I went and got certified as a teacher so I taught my first year from 2015 to 2016. Um, after 2016 um, I started my two years master's at Hampton University so I was able to gain my master's in medical science um, and so as time would go on I, I got a good bearing on my studying skills so um, like the academic bookwork really wasn't the issue um, as I spoke about with uh, or I haven't spoken about yet but I actually took the MCAT five times. Um, and so my Achilles heel within this whole entire application process has been the MCAT. Mm-hmm. Um, and so within 2018, finishing off my master's, um, you know, I did well on that. This was around the time that I took my MCAT for the second or third time. And so I know within the 2018 application cycle, I took it for the second time, um, got a abysmal score, and took it at the beginning of the summer, and took it again at the end of the summer when. I mean for pre meds listening, do not do that unless you unless it was unless you were scoring like 528 on your practice exam and you go into an exam and it was just a fluke, which was not the case for me. My practice exams were looking exactly like the score that I got both of the times that I took it within the summer. Um but taking it after that third time, I was distraught. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like I I, I did well once I transferred to Texas Southern, I did well academically. I just completed a, a graduate degree and I did well. Um, but this MCAT, I just can't shake it. And and your question outside of my why, what kept me going um, was that mentorship. Around that time, it's an organization called Tour for Diversity. And what it pretty much is is a mobile medical school fair. Um, And I met a gentleman there named Dr. Tyree Winters. Um, And so I'm also a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, um, the first and oldest um, African-American Greek letter organization that's devoted to community service, devoted to academics, um, and just um, impacting our community in a positive way. And so he happened to be my frat brother as well. Um, So like a lot throughout that time that I met him, he's kind of been like mentoring me here and there. I'm mean, not telling about my MCAT. He was just like so um at ease. And I'm like, why are you like so calm and cool? He's like, hey, don't worry about it. You know, I did this um this program at my alma mater. And that's actually like how I got into medical school. I'm like, that's cool. You know, it, it was on the Midwest and I'm from Texas. So I was like, you know, there's no way I'm going to get into there. I know that they um prefer people from their state. It's like, James, don't worry about it. Apply. and You know, you know, we'll be good. And so lo and behold, I applied. And like that was my, I guess, first crumb or glimpse into to, to medicine because the way the program was set up, you automatically get a medical school interview at the end of the program. Um, and so it was awesome. So I did like a five weeks boot camp that mirrored um the institution's curriculum. Um, and then afterwards I had my first medical school interview. And so, like, that's a great feeling. Finally, like, you know, I've been applying so many times, I finally get an interview. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and so so that was like the first. I guess you know, little crumb that God uh, brought in my uh, in front of me it was like, okay, James, keep going. You're, you're getting close. Yeah,
0: it's like a, a slot machine, right? It's the, yeah. the variable ratio reward system of uh, of psychology, right? Of like, y- y- you're ready to give up. You don't want to pull that slot anymore, and then and then you hit. A couple dollars yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe I can get the jackpot. So you play yeah. some more, you don't get anything, you don't get anything. It gives you a little, a little bit more. So it, yeah. it sounds like that, that variable reward system works for you as well. That's, that's awesome. So, so talk about, you mentioned doing well kind of academically. Mm-hmm. What do you remember what you graduated with GPA wise from your undergraduate institution?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll break that down. So since I went to two institutions, uh, my GPA was actually essentially average. Um, and so while I did, um, as, as far as like on MCAS and different respective mm. medical services, because um, while I was at Texas Southern, I essentially got dean's list every semester. But okay. my overall GPA didn't look like that. Um, but I, I believe I, I finished um, with Texas Southern University at 3.25. Okay. Um, that's what I finished off with, t- Texas Southern University. And um, my graduate GPA was around a 3.6. OK. OK. Um, yeah, and I finished, so that's what uh, I finished off GPA-wise with those respective institutions.
0: What What led you to do a post back on top of the master's degree?
1: I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I didn't even talk about that yet. So um, I did the master's degree at, uh, at Hampton University 2018. That was the third time I took my MCAT. Um, and so I actually went through an interesting situation with the pr- summer program that I did um, in the Midwest. And... Um, uh, yeah, I went through a situation with there, and I ended up not matriculating there. Um, they, I believe, they wanted me to actually do a postback at their program, um, and for me, I felt like I was ready to start now, um, and I didn't, I didn't want to do another postback on top of doing the masters at yeah. that time. Um, so for me, I'm like, hey, you know, fourth time's a charm, you know. So <laughs> let me re, let me retake this MCAT. Um, and I retook the MCAT and jumped up six points. Right. Okay. Um, and so, something that, I guess, course rest- and re- uh, in retrospect. Like, I jumped up six points, is good, great. Um, but the timing that I took my MCAT and the timing that I applied um, was did not work in my favor. So I I applied with that um, six-point increase. And mind you, my uh, MCAT was already very low. <laughs> and I, I'll be transparent with my score. So in my second and third time that I took the MCAT, I scored a 48 twice. The very first time I took my MCAT, I got a 42. So I start off with a 42, took it second and third time, got the same exact score during the same cycle, got a 48. I jumped up to a 494. Um, which is still not a stellar score by no um. means, but it, it's it's something. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is so something, I, yes. Yeah, 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 it's something. <laughs> and I applied with that, um, and actually got an interview. Um, okay. So I got an interview with that four ninety four. Um, it was at a DO program um, in on the East Coast, and but it was so unbeknownst to me, it was a couple of things that happened during that cycle. Uh, my application was delayed for a month, mm. for I believe it was something that to get getting to check my residency, and so. A month is an eternity in app enrolling admissions. Yep. Um. So I interviewed, but I interviewed on the very last day, and unbeknownst to me, I was just interviewing for a waitlist spot. Yep. And so I interviewed well, but got waitlisted. Um. And I had another opportunity as well. So as I was applying, knowing that hey, I might not get in, I was applying for postback. I'm like, hey, I need something. Like, like I said, I need some type of um forward projectile motion. That's kind of how I looked at it. it like in my mind, like I'm gonna be a doctor, so I need to do something that's gonna help me become a doctor. But honestly, now I think about it more, that really wasn't the thing. I knew what my Achilles heel was, the MCAT. Yep. And so with the program, I had to think about, okay, I can stay back home and teach for another year and study for the MCAT, or I can put myself in a position where I'm in an environment with other pre-meds that are working towards the same goal and which one would help me score better on the MCAT. And for me, I, I felt that it would be doing the post And another thing tied with the post was that I was conditionally accepted to that institution. Um, so that was the two things that led me to doing the post like, hey, I'm already conditionally accepted. I know what target score I have to get to acquire. So it's like it's easier because even I, I, I watch your podcast all the time. You'll have students that have 90 percentile scores. will have multiple interviews, but not an acceptance. Yeah. And so I already have outlined three aspects that I have to satisfy to where I will matriculate. And like for me, it was a, a 3.0 GPA, which I was able to exceed. Um, a 501 MCAT, which is the 50th percentile. I'm not sure if that's still now, but I know last year yeah. that was 50th percentile. And then they had a pre-matriculation program, which was like another boot camp before my intended M1 year. It was pass fell to so 70th percentile, and I exceeded that. Yeah. Um. But going going back to this good old MCAT, <laughs> the uh,
0: MCAT. Yeah. Uh, Talk about
1: it. And so, okay, yeah, for sure. And so, this was my fifth time. I said my first score was a 482. My second score, third score was a 48. My fourth score was a four ninety four, um, and then my fifth score, and so uh, I like to even talk about what went went on around that time too, um, and so my intended time to take my fifth MCAT was around May, um, and so with this uh, respective postback program that I did, the, the way the program was set up was I'll do my a uh, postback coursework for about a year, so into April. I have a uh, about a month of dedicated MCAT studying time, um, and then I would uh, take the MCAT, um, but around May. Of 2020, I'm sure a lot of us know what like, happened. What happened. I, don't know, I don't know what happened. You know, <laughs> we, you know, something. We're still in. We're in a better state, quote unquote. But that was essentially like the height of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so, like leading up to my MCAT, I saw the test days getting canceled, and I I knew my test day was going to get canceled, but it's like nothing I can do about it. Yep. Um. So so my May date got canceled. Um. I ended up I was put in a position where I was studying for an exam I didn't even know if I'd be able to take that was contingent upon me getting into medical school. Yeah. Um, and so it was a very like tumultuous time for me, especially with the way that COVID impacted the the scheduling. So I was put in a position to where I was doing my post-bac coursework, studying for my MCAT, and doing medical school curriculum all concurrently, um, which was not originally how the program was set up. Um, even to the extent of two days before I took a medical level histology exam. Um, and so and so in shorter in summary, I was three points away from that five hundred one and got a four hundred ninety eight. Uh, but you yeah. you went from a.
0: 482 482 to a 488 to a 494 mm-hmm. to a 498 what do you attribute that continuous improvement to
1: mm. That's a good question. Um, I think me just trying to switch it up. Um, I believe the adage is, you know, if you do the same thing over and over again and expect to get different results. It's insanity. Yeah. Um, and so like each and every time I study for the MCAT, I try something different, try something new. Um, if I use Princeton last time, I'm going to do Kaplan. If I use Blueprint, I'm going to use um, Khan Academy. Yeah. You know, I, or, you know, or I, if I didn't focus enough on the double AMC materials, I implemented that earlier on into my uh, study schedule. If I didn't have a study schedule before, I actually... Created a study schedule. Um, if I didn't study with a, a, a study partner, I made sure I studied with a study partner. If I studied with too many, I made sure that I, you know, decreased that. And so yeah. each and every time I took the MCAT, I varied how I studied. Um, and I assessed how I studied too. Like what did help me? Like if I um you know saw my car score wasn't where I wanted it to be, I'm like, okay, what could I have done better that I didn't do? Um and then asked other people that I knew were successful on the car section. And I'm just using it as an example. Like, what did you do? What helped you um, perform successfully on the cars? And then I'll implement that to the best of my ability. So I believe, like, changing up how I studied um, was definitely very helpful. And for the last time I took the MCAT, what I alluded to earlier, putting myself in a space with other people that had that um, linear or singular goal, I believe it, it really helped me. It's like iron sharpened iron.
0: Yeah. So m- many students in your situation will, I- I've seen, historically do worse on the MCAT because there's so much pressure on you to do well this quote-unquote last time uh, because you're sitting there with everything lined up, right? Get the 3.0, you're good there. Uh, get the minimum MCAT score, you're good there. Do do X, Y, Z, and you're good. Mm-hmm. And for you, it seemed like every time it was the MCAT that seemed to be the biggest barrier. And And students in that situation will continually get to the situation where They'll go in for the MCAT, but they put so much pressure on themselves that they fail because of that pressure them putting they're they're putting on themselves. Right. How did you deal with that pressure?
1: That's a great question. And that's very true. Like I recently like acquired a mentor or a mentee rather that's going through that same situation. Um, like he's taking the same I the last time I took the MCAT, I did Prince Review, and this is not like marketing for them or anything like that. I'm just telling my story. It is a great um program, but I'm not marketing for them or anything like that. Um and I know you even have a great program as well, correct? I don't have MCAT, MCAT stuff. I don't I okay. hate okay. I hate okay. the MCAT. <laughs> okay, for sure. <laughs> cool. All right, for sure. But yeah, so I, I did Prince Review last time and then my mentee is taking um the Prince Review as well. And so I know Prince Review starts you off with a baseline MCAT that you take. Yep. And so I asked him, like, okay like what was you know your baseline score the first one you took. And his baseline was higher than what I landed. I'm like yep. my my friend, you you and he's been increasing since then. Yep. I'm like, I you're, you'll be all right. Like the goal of the MCAT, like some people want to get a perfect score. Hey, I mean, you should study like you want to get a perfect score. But I believe the goal of the MCAT is to get a score that gets you into medical school, yep. whatever score that. Gets. Um, and so like if you're if you're if you're increasing if, and then that's one piece of the pie. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm sitting here in front of you today, you know, interviewing uh, with a less than average MCAT score. Um, and I, I'm in a good position. <laughs> I'm in a great position. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well I'm sorry, but going back to your question. I'm sorry. So so can you repeat the question again? <laughs> I have
0: no idea what my question is. Um I, I I wanna I wanna go back to students are listening to this, going, mm-hmm. okay, you needed a 3.0, you got that. You needed a 501, you didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And how did you get into medical school?
1: Oh, okay, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And and then the other metric was the the um the boot camp as well or the prematriculation yeah. program. And I and I exceeded that. Um so how I got into medical school. Um, and first, I want to talk about because I want to harp on I was really at my lowest moment this last year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that's important because I don't want to gloss over um, like any of my shortcomings or gloss over it, like any of the times um, where like I, I dealt with like just really being at a low, low moment. Um, imagine taking the MCAT five times. Mm. Uh, imagine doing a master's. Imagine doing a post bac. Uh, imagine taking, well, I took longer than three gap years, but spending three years teaching on top of all of that too. And so I'm far remo- so far removed from when I started on my journey in 2009. Um, and so like this last blow, I was just like, man, it, I feel feel like it really took everything out of me. Um, and it was really just by the grace of God having a strong support system within my family and my mentors, um, that saw even what I didn't even see in myself. Sometimes was like, nah, James, you're gonna be a doctor. Um, like like just give it one more time. And so what I did was I took that, I as as I said before, I, even back in 2018 when I did. Um, the, the the summer boot camp, I felt like I was ready for medical school, me personally. Mm. And so like coming, having to do all these things on top of it to prove, I guess, prove myself or prove myself to whoever that I belong there, Um, it gave me a chip on my shoulder. Um, Like, I don't know if I have any sports fans that are listening, but like Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, talks about Mamba mentality. Mm. Um, And that's what I took upon. I, I, I pretty much, and I listened to another person named Eric Thomas. He talks about going 120. That means like going over above 100%. And so I flipped the switch and went 120. And um, So each and every single um, administrator or a dean that I've built a relationship with before I emailed them out I had a nice little blurb that I put out like, hey, this is my background. This is what I've done. And the the, the negative part about COVID was that I didn't get into medical school last year. The mm-hmm. positive part of COVID that it made um, the admissions director so amenable to having virtual conversations like this. Yeah. Um, and so I just sent out cold emails like, hey, this is my background, this is my story, um, would you mind setting up you know, a meeting with me so I can you know, tell you, tell you more about my story and situation? And a good amount and percentage of them said, yeah, let's do it. Um, and so when I went out there, I was just very candid and open, similar to now, like, hey, these are my scores, um, because I, I felt like my background and my application, quote unquote, was a Harvard application. My, <laughs> my Achilles heel was my MCAT. And so I was just like, let's just get, you know, let's just get the, uh, the elephant out the room now. Like, these are my scores. Like, you know, is this something that we can work with or that your institution will work with? Um, some said yes. Some said no. Um, and I utilize that to cur- uh, curate my uh, list of schools that I applied to. Um, And the good thing. Yeah, I think you're about to ask a question. I,
0: I just wanted to know, uh, because a lot I, I talk about advocating for yourself all the time and, and reaching out to schools and many, many schools don't care and they'll just ignore you. Were you? Re- yeah reaching out to like the de'ans and directors of admissions? were you reaching out to the diversity and inclusion or diversity and equity offices? who are you reaching out to 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 all get these the, conversations?
1: All of the above yeah. like like I said I, 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 this cycle I went for broke and so like uh, uh, something that helped me along the way, Um, too, that I remember you asked the earlier question, like, what kept me going? Um, So I've been very involved with the Student National Medical Association Mm -hmm. um, on the local level, on on the regional level, on the national level. Um, My very first time going to our national conference, the American uh, Medical Education Conference, was in 2015. Um, I actually had the privilege of charting um, my chapter of Minority Association of Pre-Medical Students, which is the undergraduate version of SNMA at Texas Southern University. Um, So getting exposure to minority um, student doctors and physicians really changed the game for me. Um, and so like going through those annual conferences, going to those regional conferences, I built relationships with different admissions directors. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to my Achilles heel, I just never had the stats. Um, so now that I had, you know, some some shoot or something close to whatever stats I needed, I'm like, okay, I'm in the best position I've ever had, whether it's good or not. Like my 498 to me was my 528. So I'm like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> like this is what I'm gonna go, go with. And so I went in confidently um, knowing that Um, I went with the mindset like this is my last chance. This is the last time I'm applying. I'm not going to take this MCAT again. Like this is it. Um, And so your question was, did I reach out to the deans of admission? I did. Did I reach out to the diversity, equity, inclusion officers? I did. Did I reach out to medical students? I did. I reached out to any and everyone that I felt would help me along towards getting into medical school. Yeah. Um, That just really just wanted to hear my story (laughs) and like, you know, culminate that. Um, So I reached out to every and anybody. Yeah, and I I attended every virtual well not every but I attended the most <laughs> virtual conferences and meetings as I could.
0: Nice, nice. Advocating for yourself, I talk about it all the time, and and what you did not not just last minute sending emails, but everything up until that point, getting involved in different organizations, going to national conferences, regional conferences, virtual conferences, going to as many places as possible and putting yourself in front of as many people as possible just is is the perfect situation to put yourself in so that you could advocate for yourself and and potentially some of those people recognize you or remembered your name or whatever it is and you're not just some random person emailing at the the 23rd hour because you you haven't gotten into medical school yet and you're desperate So it's, it's the perfect situation you put yourself in. And what, what was it like? So you've been through four applications, five MCATs. Uh, What was it like to going through this last cycle? How many interviews did you end up getting?
1: I ended up getting seven medical school interviews,
0: seven medical school interviews, What was it like like those interviews coming in going, Hey, we want to talk to you. Hey, we want to talk to you. Like, uh, (laughs) is this for me? Like because it seems like it probably didn't happen in the
1: previous ones. There was maybe an interview here, there, wherever. Sure. That's 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 an awesome question. Um honestly, as as confident as I sound now, um, and as you know, as much as I, you know, hyped up my quote unquote Harvard application, it still was surreal. (laughs) It was very surreal. Um, because like that was just my mentality going in, but um, without the the practicality or without it materializing, it's just a mentality. And so like seeing it um, actually, you know, come into fruition and, and the interviews roll in, um, I was ecstatic. I, I know it was one medical student that I spoke with and I was getting advice on like how to interview and, you know, how to prep. And he was like, man, this is the easiest part. This is the one interview where, you know, the, you're, you're a, a expert on it. You know yourself. Um, you are a expert on yourself. Um, And so it's just like, man, this is the easy part. Like, this is like the victory lap for you. And so he's he's like, really just enjoy it. Like, don't get in your head too much. Don't overthink it. Obviously, like read over your application, you know, look at some um, interview questions, do mock interviews, but more so anything. Just enjoy it. Like, really just enjoy the process. And at the same time, keep in mind that they're interviewing you, but you're interviewing them. Um, And so keep in mind, like really um, be um, pay attention to what's going on. Uh, make sure that you know whether it's from the I mean it's it's different since I interviewed virtually but if I was face to face like you know don't discount the janitor um, don't discount anybody like at the institution you know treat everybody um, with the highest respect and highest regard Um, and so it it, it was surreal like I said like from my first interview to the last interview um, it was very surreal Um, I enjoyed each and every moment of it
0: yeah what was it like to finally get that acceptance
1: what I literally did when I got my acceptance, I ran around my neighborhood. <laughs> I, ran, I ran around my neighborhood yelling. Um, my dad goes for a walk and he had left like maybe five or 10 minutes um, before I got the call. And I ran and found him. And like yeah, I hugged him like we were overjoyed. It was it, and I got the interview rather. Uh, so a funny story. So the day I interviewed, which is this is a very interesting story. The day I interviewed, um, the dean of diversity and inclusion actually called me the same day. And told me I got in. Wow. I was, I was like, what? And then, following up, the dean of the medical school called me and doubled down. It was like, hey, James, you know, I'm not sure if anybody's reached out to you yet, but I just want to let you know we're just so happy, happy to welcome you to the class of 2025. I felt like a D1 athlete or <laughs> something like that. It was just, it was just, it was just show so me the money. <laughs> right, right. um so, so it was awesome. Like at that time in the cycle, I was like, hey, However this cycle pans out, I know I'm starting um, in the fall. And it was, it was just a wonderful feeling. It it just um, proved to me and showed me like, hey, hey, you say this all the time, like if you're meant to be a doctor, you're going to be a doctor. Um, and so it's, it's just a matter of whether you're going to keep working at it um, or you're just going to give up after, you know, that first failed MCAT attempt or that first, you know, C or D in, in your course. If You're going to allow that to deter you. Um, it's, just, it's just a matter of that. Yeah. Did you end up with any more acceptances? I did so. My my split. So I had seven interviews. I yeah. ended up getting waitlisted. Only got denied from one school. Okay. Um. So I sent seven in interviews. Got denied from one school. Waitlisted at three programs and accepted at three programs.
0: Accepted at three programs. Four application cycles. Rejection after rejection after rejection, and finally, finally, three acceptances. I when it rains, it pours. You're like, yeah. I only need one. Like, where are you? Where were you yeah. when I needed you three years ago? Um, what? Like, at this point, you're you're in. You you know where you're going. You're you're gonna be a medical student. You're gonna be a doctor. All of the time, money, effort put in over the years, it has finally paid off, so that you can start your your medical school journey now coming up uh, here soon. What, like? What goes through your mind when you wake up in the morning? Uh,
1: I'm like excited. Like it's I'm literally I literally moved to uh, where I'm going next month, and my program starts up on the 12th, and I'm kind of like antsy. Honestly, I'm like, hey, I'm like ready to get started. I'm in a, in a good way, um, so I'm like I'm really to, ready to get started on this next part of my journey. Um, all the stuff we talked about was the part of my journey just trying to get in. Um and now I'm finally in. Um, I know I, I have four years of medical school ahead of me and anywhere from like three years to eight years of residency training. But I mean I take it one day at a time. Like I don't <laughs> think about that too much. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm excited. I think for me it's just really getting my mind right. Uh. Um. Like to start. Um. And I know like another I talked about the MCAT being my Achilles heel. Like from self assessment, what I realized. Um. Starting off in undergrad, I was very involved in high school and I was in college too but I, it looked different at different stages. Mm-hmm. Early on, um, I, I was pretty much like the president on the EBO for every organization. I was essentially like Mr. you know, University of the respective institution. Um, and I realized like, hey, that didn't work out well with my academics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't a good, good pairing. And so I realized I was a jack of all trades the master of none. So when I transferred to Texas Southern, I was like, hey, I have to keep the main focus, the main focus. My number one job is to be a student. Um, and once I get that, um, you know, once I get that down, like you know, I can add something else on. You know, it's better to do two or three things really well than to do like a billion things. Um, you know, subpar. And so I like I realized that, and I was able to mature into that, and I'm um, just better manage my time. And so I, when I say my mentality, I want to translate that into medical school, and, and to ensure like, like while I have, well, I'm gifted with so much, well, I have a lot of talents, while I have a lot of interests, not to get bogged down or overburdened by that, um, and allow that to be the detriment of my academics as I did um, earlier on in my career.
0: You mentioned several times now the MCAT is your Achilles heel and I have the the 2020 facts table from the AAMC pulled up and uh, the categorization they have is black or African-American students on average score 498.3, white students 507.7, right? Nine point difference there, roughly, if mm. I, I know my math or some, yeah. some, something like that. Um yeah. For the MCAT score, I I am a huge <laughs> uh, proponent of getting rid of the MCAT or figuring out something else where we don't see huge differences between different ethnicities, different races, different skin colors, whatever. Um, having gone through this journey, taking the MCAT five times, if if you were to put a word out to, to the AAMC to to tell them about what you think of the MCAT, what would you say?
1: With all due respect, do away with this useless exam. With all due respect. No, not let me no, take that. No, out. there's do, no respect. Do, 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 do away with this useless exam respectively. Respectfully. Yeah. <laughs> respect. Um as you said, you you the the stats, the numbers don't lie. Yeah. Uh, my my MCAT instructor, a white gentleman, said this exam is not a a uh an indication of your aptitude or anything like that. This is an exam that's standing between you and getting into medical school. Yeah. So what what that's telling you this this is not an exam that is really testing anything. This is um just a gatekeeper exam. It it keeps people out. That yeah. that's what this exam does. And then the people that we're speaking of is as you said in the stats, when you look at this standardized exam, historically whether it's the MCAT, the LSAT, SAT, anything of that nature, um honestly when you look at it, you have um you know, a, a certain sect on the majority um, oftentimes that I'm not speaking umbrella, but oftentimes what happens is they're exposed to this type of tutelage or learning or having tutors for these standardized exams. So they know how to take the test. Yeah. It's about taking a test, not your aptitude or showing whether or not you can get into a respective professional school. And so if you give somebody exposure to something at a very young age, and you give another sect of people, you know, the minority, and they don't get this exposure. Um, and over time, they're, they're standardized tests, standardized tests, standardized tests. And this is a barrier to, in order to, to get to the next level of professional school what do you think will continue to happen you know that minorities that's not exposed early on you're going to see that large disparity which we're seeing now yeah. um and i th- i believe covid uh pretty much exacerbated that and you saw that to where like a lot of institutions where you're looking at mba school or law school or business school rather um like they allowed you not to take that exam yep um you know the institutions that were you know really hip or conscious or really honed in on what was going on um, and how much of an impediment this uh, these standardized exams are for um, black or brown individuals?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, the the problem with our system is that the same the same company, and, and I'll call it a company, <laughs> the same company that is is the organization for medical schools, the same company that does the admissions at, for the far majority of medical schools is the same company that administers the tests for those schools. And so there's this perverted, Uh, feedback for schools to use the MCAT and there were a few schools that accepted some students without MCAT but nowhere near what we saw as you mentioned with other professional schools dropping requirements for GRE and and other uh, and other tests
1: yeah definitely Um, I mean you hit the nail on the head Um, it's it's a business unfortunately Um, it's you know capitalism Um, but by and large, if, if I if, if I had the power, if I had the autonomy, <laughs> then we'll be out of there.
0: Exam is out. out. <laughs> yes, awesome, James. For for everyone coming up, following in your footsteps, your your message is out mm-hmm. there. Uh, that that even after five MCAT exam exams, four application cycles, you're starting on your your journey to. Uh, to be a physician. What, what kind of final words of wisdom do you have for those students out there who are doubting themselves, wanting to
1: give up? Mm, that's great. Um, I'll just leave you um, similar to, to what you say, and I see you echo on your podcast. If you're meant to be a physician, you're going to be a physician. Um, it's a matter of, of whether, because you spoke about earlier, like there were some people um, that told me, like, go get a PhD. You're, you're, you're great at teaching, <laughs> and nothing against PhD. Like, yeah. PhD is awesome, but I know that wasn't my path or my calling. Um, and so like, hey, go get a PhD, you know, go do this, go do that. Um, never let anybody um, deter you for your dream when they didn't give it to you.
0: All right. There you have it. That's James for you. Hopefully that gave you some inspiration. You can follow him and go say hello to him. He's J-D-O-T-O-K-K. Again, that's J-D-O-T-O-K-K on Instagram go check him out tell him you heard him here on the podcast hope you have a great week we'll see you next time here on the pre-med years this is med ed media